Episode 4 Weddings in Durban Growing up in Durban and knowing little about how the rest of the world functioned bears real testimony to the expression about ignorance being bliss. When I was still an infant, my dad designed and built our three-bedroom house with a basement garage and service flat. I grew up surrounded by people pretty much like us. And I didn't look much beyond the pretty compliments and trivial pursuits of our suburban lifestyle. Of course, I was regularly informed by well-meaning relatives of the dangers of politics or getting involved. You could forgive the young child that I was for imagining that everybody just ended up getting married and one of the main preoccupations of life was to have a wedding that outdid anyone else's. In extended Indian-born families, there are many weddings to attend in a single year. Auspicious dates are approved by priests and once set, an entire artillery is set into motion, booking the hall, the officiating priest and the compere, organizing the food and invitations and personal visits to invite families and friends in crowds, buying the costumes and arranging the hairdresser and makeup specialist, finding musicians and preparing the pre-wedding festivities, ordering the garlands, snazzing up the house, making transport arrangements, sing to accommodation. Entire households are thrown into a frenzy of excitement and wedding fever, and for several months, all the talk focuses on the upcoming event. For the child that I was, it usually meant great fun. I used to look forward to the day before ceremony, when the prospective bride or groom would be anointed with harthi or turmeric, and there would be rice popped over an open fire for mixing the next day with the other party's offering. There were always a lot of other children, distant cousins and acquaintances with whom to reconnect. North Indians have totally vegetarian weddings and the evening meal would typically be fried flatbreads and vegetable curries, salads and pickles with a distinctive taste of wood-fired cooking. During the afternoon, hot cardamom tea would be served with savoury and sweet bites to eat and there would be tables, tablas, with musicians with tablas that they would be beating and wedding songs that would be belted out till the late hours. The wedding itself often culminated in a biryani lunch, which everyone loved to eat because there's nothing quite like wedding biryani. One of the more memorable ones I tasted was an elaborate version served on banana leaves and followed by milky almond vermicelli and poppers, a savoury thin round rice flour crisp bread that puffs up when heated. My mother's pleasure arrived, however, after the meals when trays of beetle nuts and leaves were served with lime that turned one's mouth red. When the weddings occurred in other families, we simply went as onlookers and passive participants, but there were also numerous weddings closer to home, uncles and aunts and sundry cousins. That meant helping a lot as we grew up, and much of the help actually involved the food itself. Tasks like crushing ginger and garlic in humongous quantities, grinding lentils, cutting and colouring coconut, paring and slicing vegetables, scouring mountains of rice or making up little wedding favours. The guardians of our heritage were often the older women, sometimes even an older man or two, 
and the ways and know-hows were handed down amidst much cackling and over-reference to references to our own future time in the sun. But much of the high those weddings gave to the female contingent also lay in the finery with which we inevitably decked ourselves. The bride's saris were often a jealously guarded secret, and we all admired the transformation of a young lady into a royally bedecked princess, sparkling with jewels and silks from head to toe. And we ourselves made concerted efforts to show off our specially chosen clothes, while our proud mothers watched promising young men's mothers covertly to see if they were wistfully aware that we would make lovely additions to their families. And after the ceremony, everyone would go home to talk it to death, remembering and sharing details as of all the potential had still to be wrung out of the bash. But only till the next week when the bride would officially leave her family forever in the presence of the nearest and dearest. And after a sumptuous meal, of course.